professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mike, Mr. Wrestling 3. And I'm Mad Dog Vashane. <laughs> I didn't mean to, I just wanted to say, I, I gave away my name. I wasn't supposed to do that, I was just supposed to be Mr. Wrestling 3. Uh, hey. It's okay. Breaking kayfabe. I know, I know. I'm going to get stabbed on my way to the car later. <laughs> Welcome to episode 90, Slamboree 1993. One moment. One ring. One mega event. A, a Legends reunion. reunion. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it a lot to live up to. It's a mouthful. Yeah, a Legends reunion. I wonder what old Bischoff's trying to do this time. I mean, well, you remember how much I loved the, the, our Legends reunion the 20th, oh, wow. anniversary the 20th anniversary of the Clash. Clash. I was way into that show. Um, I liked, I liked everything about that show. It was a, it was a blast. Yeah, I, I liked everything about that show. Yeah, me too. We'll see what we like about <laughs> this one. This was the inaugural Slamboree produced by the WCW. It would take place on May 23rd, 1993, at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Have we been there before? A few times. Okay. Yeah, maybe. With an attendance of 7,008 people. Ooh. I think this might be their biggest number. They stuck in in Atlanta. Extra eight people. Eight was the legends that didn't wrestle. And then. (laughs) (laughs) They made them pay. (laughs) They might. (laughs) Sorry, mad dog. (laughs) But we are in Georgia again. Yeah, we are. Hardest part of the job. Here you go, Shane. All right. What are you going to feed us? All right, we're back in Georgia. We've been in Georgia several times. I decided to uh, do a little a little digging around, see what other foods are popular from Georgia, and I keep coming back to the same things. Uh, pimento cheese. Yes. Um, we love Fried that, green tomatoes. We still love those. Apparently, they are famous for a... Uh, Fried chicken biscuit sandwich. Mm. So Sounds tasty. Yes. I went to uh, my friends here in Oklahoma City over at the uh, Honey Bunny Biscuit Co. And got one of their uh, awesome biscuit sandwich creations and elevated it just a little bit. I got what's known as the Southern Gentleman, which is one of their, their biscuits. First of all, their biscuits are just fucking awesome. Like, Yeah, this ain't, this isn't your no, mouth. Um, they melt deliciousness. in your mouth. This isn't some Biscuit. McDonald's, Brahms, or uh, even KFC or Popeye shit. Like this is legit, yeah. legit biscuit. Quality yeah. made yes. with love. These biscuits can be my honey bunny anytime. But yeah, the Southern Gentleman is one of their biscuits with. It's got ham, pimento cheese, a uh, pickled green tomato relish, and then I added a uh, a fried chicken breast to uh, the biscuit just to complete the Southern Gentleman. Fried deliciousness ensemble here. So you took the Georgia staples and just yeah, put Georgia it all staples, in between a biscuit. them up together and then slathered them with more pimento cheese just to add that extra kick. And fuck yeah, 
The only thing it needs is just like a pinch more heat and it'd be perfect. Uh, but it's flavor-wise, yeah. There's no, there's some no crunch to the sound. Oh yeah, it's hmm? some spicy pickles. That could be good. Mm-hmm. That could I be, really, be good. really good on it. It was incredible, and uh, also probably about two thousand calories in half that sandwich. Right. <laughs> I can feel my blood thicken. Southern food is. I think they saw. I think they saw me have a food gasm while I was eating this. (laughs) Yeah, I saw Matt's eyes get like two sizes too big. Yeah. If you've never been to uh, Honey Bunny Biscuit Co. in Oklahoma City, you need to get there because. Yeah. uh, I've already added it to my calendar. Mm -hmm. Their Velvet Ellis biscuit is legit. It's the kind of sandwich that will like pull you out of a hangover. Pull you out (laughs) of a hangover and put you into a food coma. Yeah, yeah. But while they're still enjoying. The rest of those delicious, delicious sandwiches. Yes, I am. Let's talk about something that happened right around the same time as Slamboree. After 275 episodes, over 11 seasons, Cheers would air its series finale a few days earlier. Spoiler alert, I'm only in season two right now. Uh, well, you got nine more. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <clears throat> it just gets better. Sorry. Does it only get better? We're is closed. It, is it... Uh, I know that. <laughs> it gets better after Shelley Long leaves. I find that hard to believe. It's it, it was hard it's, to it's think. It's probably it could. a taste thing. I guess it's also a thing too. Where it's like, well, I mean, because Woody probably hasn't shown up if you're only in no, season two. No, no, Woody like, hasn't shown up. I yet. love Coach so much. I feel like it's impossible I mean, to Kirstie replace him. Alley, but you don't replace him. You just have a different ty- type of character. Kirstie yeah. Alley, when she comes along, she brings a different level of comedy to the show, and it holds up nicely and carries on. Well, I imagine um, that she's not the same, same as. Shelly Long, because I haven't uh, seen Mary Chrissy. I was like, she's more of like, you know, she's not uh, as she starts, off, she starts off as kind of a, an uptight, oh, okay. and then you know starts to, to loosen up, kind of the same way that Diane was this extra hoity-toity, and then she starts to become more of a real person as the, the yeah. series goes along. But yeah, Cheers was, I was a, a huge fan of Cheers from the, the start, and yeah, it was... It was I'm in my sad day right in 93 when that show ended, because it was, I think it was Cheers ending. Cheers ended. Knott's um, Landing, I think, Saved by the Bell, switched from high school to college at the same time. Uh, that was sad. Beverly Hills 90210 switched from college, or from high school to to college yeah. as well. But I think show right ending, yeah, Cheers ended, and that was a long runner. Knott's Landing ended that year, I believe, yeah. as well, and that was another one that was on for, like, 12 seasons. And, yeah, that was a sad year for Shane because... Those were your shows. Those were my shows. My yeah. sister, as much as I hated Knott's Landing growing up, I ended I'm up... nostalgic for it yeah, now. Yeah, it became one that I had to watch all the way through. Cause... Is it, like, a nighttime soap opera? Yeah. Like, a basically, like, a... Dallas and oh, Dynasty. Dynasty. Oh, okay, so yeah, it, was, it wasn't, like... It was like, a spinoff it wasn't, of Dallas. Yeah, so it wasn't a night... So, so yeah. the same way that 90210 is. Dallas had it J.R. Is, yeah. Ewing. Knott's yeah, Landing had Gary and Valine Ewing. No, I do love a nighttime soap opera, but they're always so long. I never, I'm scared to start them. Like, Cheers, it's like 20 minutes. No big deal. I can, I can, I can throw one of these on, like, or watch a couple every other day, and it's no big commitment. But I started 90210, and I was like, I have to stop. Otherwise... I'm going to be watching like 10 seasons of 90210 <laughs> and I uh, won't watch anything else and I'm just going to melt my brain. Yeah, but I started a rewatch of Melrose Place a few yeah. months back and yeah, I forgot how bad that first season 
<laughs> it was just so slow yeah. and boring and wholesome and not Melrose Place at all. But bringing it back to where everyone knows your name. Yes. Which, uh. Who's your favorite bar patron? So no Sam. Yeah, no, 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 Sam, no patron. Like, patron. Yeah. I mean, I haven't got to where Fraser shows up, but as much as I love Norm, uh, I adore Cliff. I'm a big Cliff guy. Because Cliff just has dumb random facts, and he's kind of also always Man wrong. Of... If I could, I would just do fan fiction of them in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that could be charming. <laughs> so I gotta no, go... no sex stuff, just the relationships. I gotta go for Lilith. Lilith was, oh, yeah. was one of my favorites with her extra I dry. I know her from Fra- Frasier because I've watched all of Frasier like two or yeah. three times. Watching, watching Lilith go from the uptight, extra wound scientist to the kind of sex pot that she became as the show evolved. It was it was good to finally see Lilith get her, let her hair ha- down. have her fun and let her hair down, yeah. Uh, I, what about Harry, the guy that's always ripping people off? Uh, he probably doesn't last very long. He's kind of fun. Harry, I like him, but Harry was always too... Uh, the thing that bugged me about Harry the most is that he always played Harry in every show he's in. Oh, really? I've yeah, never like, seen that. Night Court. Oh. Night Court was the shit, and that was his character's name on there was Harry. Maybe, yeah, maybe His name uh, in real life is Harry. He's just like one of those guys, like, I have a hard time uh, suspending my disbelief, <laughs> so I just, well, just call me Harry. Yeah, I'm going to be Harry, and I'm going to play tricks or be magician. Yeah. I'm right there with you with Norm. No, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm a Cliff guy or a Norm guy, but I think, like, I'd rather probably have a beer with Norm, but I get more chuckles out of Cliff. Well, let's get on to some wrestling. We get narration over pictures of legends in the wrestling business before going to pictures of current stars. Tony Schiavone then welcomes us to the show as we see a bunch of those legends in the ring. Roll call. We don't really get a roll call while they're all there. Like, actually, <laughs> no, I was we like, don't. who are all these people? Why are they in the ring? Yeah. They don't really ever explain any of that to us. It'd be cool Here's if they a did a roll call people. and they all just, like, flexed. <laughs> but Larry Zabisco is with Tony at ringside. What a weird combo. Zabisco says, Time. Look what you did, JR. <laughs> Look what you did when you left. Zabisco's line that he likes to repeat many times over this show uh-huh. is, Time fears... Only the pyramids and the legends of wrestling. Yeah, he thought that one up in the shower that morning and was like, "That's good." Cool. This, this is a winner. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah." If I can say it enough times, it'll be like, you know, it'll be my movable object, uh, like quote. I think that's what I think he was really trying to hammer it in there. Tony then tells us that Jesse, the reason he's not there, is because he's in the hospital. Oh, poor guy. Uh-huh. Or is he, he actually on the set of Predator Two, filming Demolition Man? <laughs> Because it, it was, it was, it was filming at the same time. Who he was knows? A if Demolition that... Man, wasn't he? Yeah, I forgot about that. Demolition Man, cool movie. Ooh. Also, I made a joke from that movie on the last episode. <laughs> so go back and listen to it. Yeah. He then sends it to Max Payne, who's on the stage to play some guitar. <sighs> Did they just hire this guy so they didn't have to like search for national anthem people or whatever? <laughs> Pretty much. And while he's playing, a bunch of oiled up men walk out a cart. Yeah, there's yeah, some flames that too. That confused the shit out of me because I didn't know what that. Yeah, Does Johnny I, B. Bad jump out? Sure. It's not Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> you would it's assume the so. Queen of Slamboree '93. Uh, Medusa? Oh, the no. fabulous Moolah. Uh, yeah, looking old as ever. Yeah. Nope. We haven't seen her 
in quite some time. No, yeah. Bit. I was I would I had no idea. I was like, who is in there? What so, is the deal? What's going on? Mula. When was Mula. the last time we saw Mula? So the last time we saw <laughs> Fabulous Mula was all the way back at WrestleMania three. Episode eleven. It's been a while. A, it has been a while. Cue the stain song. Yeah. What's Mula doing here? Cleaning Not wrestling. Up. Nothing. Yeah. She just comes out and waves, and then all the legends leave the ring. Yeah. <laughs> we then go to Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt on the stage, and they tell us they're going to be interviewing some of those legends throughout the show. They preview some of the matches when all of a sudden the, their lights go off. <laughs> oh my gosh. So bad. And I was like, what's going on? It literally was just a technical... <laughs> Malfunction. Just, yeah. The Black Scorpion has returned. <laughs> no, I was literally like, it's something. <laughs> yeah. What? Like, what is going on? Black Scorpion too. Yeah, it's the the WC Halloween movie? Phantom. Hey, that was Rick Rude. Yeah, but hey, that's why I'm hoping for another still. one. Oh, it's all right. We get to see some guys in masks for no good reason later. Oh yeah. Eric tells Missy that she has a lot in common with the Hollywood blondes. She responds that they are just so sexy. Is that what? You think Eric meant? I mean, they had in common. We both have blonde hair. That's probably yeah. That and they're probably. I don't know. I agree with Missy, and if also agree with uh, Eric. That's all. That's it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're pretty good looking guys. She's a pretty good looking lady. That's right. And yeah, they're blonde. All true. (laughs) All true. So we get our first match: beautiful Bobby Eaton and Chris Benoit. Versus Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell. Ah, uh, the match we should have got on the last WCW show to open instead of. Well, I mean, we got Benoit and Scorpio. Yes. It should have been the opening match, is what you're saying. Oh, no, I was thinking of the Eric Watts match. Maybe that was a couple shows ago. Like well, that a, was the last WCW oh, okay, show. Okay. Yeah. Let, me, let me give you some advice, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't ever think of an Eric Watts match. <laughs> You talk about him all the time. I can't keep him out of my head. Only when he's on the show. And you know what? He ain't. He, okay. He's, they, not, he's not a legend that's so going to be reunion yeah, anytime from soon. From now on, he's uh, he who must not be named. So Bagwell comes out in matching trunks and gear and does some dancing with Scorpio. So that's maybe, a friend. Right I got a real tag team. Maybe they've got a tag team thing. Yeah, I'm all on. down for the dance party. And then there is... next to each other. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a name for the two of them. Bag of scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy is a bag full of scorpions. <laughs> it's just, it, it just might work, actually. <laughs> it's not good. Hey, it's better than, what was that? Fear, violence, connection, or Miracle what? violence connection. Miracle oh, yeah. violence connection, yeah. We then see a sign in the, in the crowd that says, Maris is great. Go Maris. <laughs> Spelling is tough in Atlanta. <laughs> oh my gosh. Benoit and Two Cold start us off with the same pace they ended their Super Brawl match as they are back and forth, avoiding each other's moves, until Scorpio hits a drop kick and an arm drag. Even Tony is admitting their Super Brawl match was one of the greatest matches that they've ever seen on pay-per-view. Hey, WCW's What does Tony know about wrestling? I mean, he's only been around since 83, you know. (laughs) He's seen some shit. Chris with a forearm to Bagwell on the apron, which brings him into the ring allowing Eaton and Benoit to double-team Too Cold, only for him to come off the ropes with a crossbody on Chris. So Bobby then goes for an elbow drop, 
but Scorpio moves, forcing Benoit to take the blow, followed by stereo drop kicks from Marcus and Too Cold to send Eaton and Chris out to the floor to regroup. Once back in the ring, Benoit, with a cheap shot on Bagwell when he's running the ropes, holds on to him so beautiful Bobby charges in, only for Marcus to back body drop him out to the floor. Slingshots Chris into the ring and then is tossed to the ropes, where Eaton has made his way back onto the apron, so it knocks him out to the floor again, followed by a Bagwell dropkick to send Benoit to the floor for them to regroup once yeah, again. a nice crispy... Busy tag match. What you want from a tag match. That's right. Everybody you want to be able to tell time. where everybody is and what's going on. And it's and keep it moving. There's four of you. It's a lighter load for everyone. That's right. Everyone's back in the ring, only for another Chris cheap shot on Marcus as he's running the ropes. Maris. <laughs> and Bobby throws Bagwell over the ropes to the floor, but the ref was distracted, so he didn't see it. Eaton with a body slam hits a top rope knee drop. Benoit with a clothesline, a body slam, a second rope leg drop all on Marcus for a two count. Multiple knee drops by beautiful Bobby to stay on the attack, and Marcus is being choked by both opponents before being hit by a back suplex for a two count by Benoit. Snapmare and a head scissors where Benoit uses Eaton as leverage, follows up with a neck breaker and another body slam, and goes up top for a splash. But Bagwell gets his knees up, Crawls to his corner for the hot tag. Scorpio with right hands on everybody. Back body drop on Chris as Marcus comes back in to brawl with Bobby. Too Cold goes up top and comes off with a splash where he does a 180 <laughs> in the air. For the pin and no, no Eaton breaks it up. Because I mean, you know, after something like that, it's obvious three count. Everyone's still brawling when beautiful Bobby goes to hit Bagwell but he ducks, and Benoit takes the blow, knocking him down. Scorpio has climbed back up to the top rope, coming off with a tumbleweed, which is a, a corkscrew somersault leg drop, for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And that was a bad landing on that tumbleweed, because he came <laughs> down ass first right on Benoit's head. Yes. Yeah, it was rough. I was like, There, there was no leg drop whatsoever. It was no. just full-on ass drop, you know. Cheek to cheek to cheek, basically. <laughs> yes, not the not the cheek to cheek that you want. <laughs> oh, one thing I liked about this match was I liked that the ref kept doing the count even when Bobby was messing with him. Yeah, like Bobby couldn't like quite get a hold on him, but like, him on Bobby's like trying to like grab at him, and he's just like just still doing the count instead of. <laughs> I thought it was funny and weird. Normally, I, I don't think I've ever seen that yeah. really happen before. I've seen him like reach for the ref, but Bobby's like actually like pawing at him. We then go to Tony and Larry. They start discussing Colonel Robert Parker. And it sounds like they tell us that Van Hammer has turned down Parker's tutelage. They don't show us video or anything, but they tell us. I mean, I'd say Max and Van use some tutelage. Especially Max. <laughs> yeah. At least Van, we've seen him do athletic things. Yeah, I mean, Even though he doesn't really know his way around a ring. He, he can, do, he can at least do a music. flip. And he looks like a wrestler. So that leads us into our second match. Heavy Metal Van Hammer versus a mystery opponent with Colonel Robert Parker. Van Hammer has uh, toned down the, the rocker, the, the rocker yeah. persona. Hmm, I wonder like if Max. it's because Max Payne's around? I don't know. You would think that the guy that with the body would get 
do what he wanted. Yeah, I mean, he he's, <laughs> he's given up his guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, he he still headbangs a little bit, but yeah, he's he got like all his doesn't his dress gear is just roll. like all just like a black uh, yeah. like it's like onesie. he took old uh, singlet onesie. What's, what's his face? He's not a baby. The 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 Russian guy. Uh, Koloff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he's wearing... he took Nikita Koloff's gear mm-hmm. and just got Tanner. Parker's in the ring and he begins takes the mic and begins talking to Hammer, saying, you physically assaulted me, and that was the biggest mistake of your life. I have your ride for the way home. And he calls out a gurney yep. to ringside. A, a gurney. A gurney. Yeah. Gurney. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible word. <laughs> Before announcing the wrestler that he, Van Hammer will be facing, Sid Vicious. Oh, the master! I mean, of the those are two good-looking guys in the ring. Two big, big buff boys. Hey, yeah, and you can't have one guy with long, curly blonde hair. Get get a, a bigger, badder, more vicious guy with, with long, curly, curly blonde, blonde hair. hair. They'll make it a triple threat. Where's where's uh where's uh, Mr. Perfect? Uh, he's he's throwing a different guy with curly blonde <laughs> hair onto car hoods. Before we go any farther, we haven't seen <laughs> Colonel Robert Parker since AWA Super Clash Three, episode twenty-three. That's he was part wild. of the he was part of the stud stable, and as he was a wrestler, then going by Robert Fuller, and Sid, we haven't seen since WrestleMania Eight, episode sixty-eight. Uh, yeah, he didn't stick around very long. and instead just. Disappeared. <laughs> He's we'll back talk, now. <laughs> we'll talk more about that here in a second. So the match gets going, and Hammer catches Sid with a few punches, but Vicious retaliates with a clothesline and a power bomb for the pin and the win. <laughs> I don't think Van Hammer. Van Hammer definitely needs the tutelage, but he's not getting any because he's probably out on his way out the door. <laughs> yeah, he just... you're getting you're getting squashed in 15 seconds. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even a... Yeah, that that was beyond a burial there. Yeah, there's wow. no coming back for uh, him. He just stared at the lights for old Sid, so Sid can try again. I guess this was less embarrassing. Is the third time a charm? Is that what's being, going on? Uh, put down by old Max Payne. <laughs> <laughs> so some history about where Sid has been. Hey. He failed a drug test prior to his WrestleMania 8 match against Hogan. Mm. But, you know, they'd already had it advertised, big moneymaker, so they allowed him to do the match. They also sent him on the following European tour over the summer. But once they got back to the States, he was told he would have to serve a suspension, and he didn't like that too much. So he quit and went into a, and pursued a career in softball. Okay, I thought I wasn't sure where you were going. I thought I was like, I thought you were about to say pornography. I'm, I'm glad you said softball. Softball. <laughs> is yeah. there is that a career? There is a professional softball league, and that's what Sid Vicious went off to do. Okay. Hmm. Cool. That's fun. I'm sure he had a good time. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Play softball with the bros. All right. I just I thought softball was what like yeah. older guys do that like baseball when they're like. 
40, but they want to like drink some beers while they play? Softball. Beer league? Beer league softball is a very popular thing. Yeah, it was a staple of the probably 80s he, and 90s. He wasn't playing beer league softball. It was professional <laughs> softball. He was playing HGH league. Yeah, pretty much. We then go to Eric Bischoff with Red Bastion and Bugsy McGraw on the stage. Oh, and Red is chewing it up for the camera. Red Bastion is a professional wrestling Hall of Famer and probably best known as the man who discovered Sting and the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, well, right. yeah. well I, I tip my hat to you, Red Bastion. Yes, yeah. one of those the uh, you were then. took to wrestling like a fish in water, and the other one just, just keeps running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of them just keeps running. Just keeps yeah, running. he never got his sea legs. We haven't seen Bugsy McGraw since Starcade 1983, episode one. Oh my gosh! Say what? Did he wrestle or was he just? He wrestled. Mm. He had shaky legs. Oh, he had shaky knees. You know I like a shaky. You know I like a shaky guy. Hillman Hillman Rufus Jones against the Assassins. Uh, First match. Also love Rufus Jones. Rufus Jones also a shaky man. That's true. They were they were the shaky knee boys. I remember. That's what their tag team name should have been. (laughs) Yeah, I remember uh, a shaky wrestler always. (laughs) My valiance, my Rufuses. Red gives us a. Promo where he says these guys are bigger, stronger, makes me happy. I'm not wrestling anymore. And then Bugsy starts going off on a promo, and Eric really doesn't know how to take it too too well. <laughs> yeah. No, he, Red gives him. Um, Red also gives Eric some shit for wearing makeup. Yeah, wearing too much makeup. Bugsy kind of went on a almost Dusty Road style yeah. ramble. Yeah, these old guys. Is like we have a few of these it's, interviews. It's the show in their on. blood, just to yeah. cut a promo. <laughs> Got to cut a promo yeah. and call somebody baby. Uh huh. And they're just like most of the promos they cut make no sense, but they're just like happy to be in front of the camera in a suit, and they all seem to take advantage of it, with the exception of maybe one or two quiet guys. But these guys having a good time. We then go to our third match, the first of our legends match for the show. Ooh, Dirty Dick Murdoch. Magnificent Don Morocco and Superfly Jimmy Snuka versus Chief Wahoo McDaniel, Blackjack Mulligan, and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel in a legend six-man tag. Have all of these men, or have all of these men passed? Jim Brunzel's still alive, right? I don't, I don't know. I didn't look that up. I know. I'm just thinking. I'm like, dang. This seems like a, a, a just a, a big list of of men who have passed. Pretty much. Probably a good chance. Yeah, I mean, we there's a few of these we know for sure. Jim so, Brunzel, yes, he is 71 years old now. All right. There you go. At oh. least one of them is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know Snook is not around. Anywho. Yeah, moving on. So a quick rundown of the last time we saw these guys. Oh, wow. Murdoch in person at Great American Bash 91, which was episode 57, when he stole Missy Hyatt and to run to the back. So Steiner then had to face... A couple people by himself in a cage match, which was really dumb. In the ring, though, at WrestleMania, Wrestle War '89. Oh, my epi- favorite favorite logo of all time. Which was episode <laughs> thirty. Rock banjo. Morocco was SummerSlam '88, which was episode twenty-one. Snuka at Royal Rumble '92, episode sixty-six. Wahoo at the AWA Super Clash. Three, episode 23. Blackjack as Big Machine at the Big Event, which was episode 9. 
and Brunzel at Survivor Series 88, episode 22. As a killer bee? As a killer bee. Jeebus. Um, I like quick, the bees, damn it. A quick update. Magnificent Don Morocco is also still oh, alive okay. at 71 years old. Uh, both him and Jim Brunzel are the only remaining members of this six-man tag, mean, tag team match that are alive. Well, live long and prosper, guys. That's yes. right. I, for go. some reason, I got Morocco mixed up with... Uh, Dino Bravo? Yes, Dino Bravo, yeah. who got murdered in his home. Yeah, definitely not the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know why. Big I got guy. the name mixed up. Yeah. Same time period. Big guy, similar build. Yeah, stocky boys. Similar boys. hair color until Bravo decided to go bleach blonde. But Bravo is also the strongest man in the world True. for, you know, a whole decade. Yeah, I mean, he was he was the strongest man in the world, but he was never magnificent. <laughs> he was never... I mean, he wasn't you know, magnificent. Morocco was also The Rock before The Rock. The Rock. Yeah. So lots of arm work to get this match going until Murdoch grabs Mulligan from behind and starts delivering elbows across the head. Blackjack with multiple hip tosses to Dirty Dick, who reaches out for a tag, but he's in the wrong corner. Murdoch with a snapmare and elbow drop on Mulligan. He then heads out to the ramp, so Wahoo follows him out to force him back in. McDaniel with a back elbow and several body slams on Morocco, but then Don gets Wahoo stuck in the wrong corner where Morocco and his teammates begin to work over the Chief. Brunzel with a drop kick on Murdoch, only for Dirty Dick to come back with a hip toss and a head scissors takedown. Did you pop for that head scissor? I was not ready for Dick Murdoch to do the head scissor takedown. I was like, that was wild. I'm Jim, not, we know, can move. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't put a lot of attention into this match. Oh, come on. Because, I, I just could not get excited about it. So well, I got excited about at least one thing. This is when I started researching if what food alive, that huh? I could do. Oh, okay. So, yeah. The head I, scissors was very cool. Was, yes. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate this match in the sense that it led me to this oh, all right. delicious chicken biscuit sandwich. Respect, respect the legends, yes. Shane. Jumpin' Jim then retaliates with a hip toss and a sleeper, only to be backed into the wrong corner for him to be worked over. Morocco with a body slam, multiple leg drops, when Brunzel tries to power his way to his corner, but the ref doesn't see the tag allowing Don to go for a clothesline, but Jumping Jim ducks, so Superfly takes the blow. Murdoch with a swinging neckbreaker for two, Irish whip hard into the corner and goes up to the top, coming off with a calf branding, which is a diving knee drop. Bulldog. Damn. Where he basically puts his knee on the back, oh, of, yeah, the back yeah. of his Incredible head and just yeah, drives yeah. him down. Also a good name for it. It's followed up by an elbow drop and makes the cover when Wahoo makes the save. Brunzel with a crossbody onto Morocco for a two count, but then Snooka comes in with a body slam, goes for a diving headbutt, but Jumping Jim moves to avoid before cradling up Superfly for a near fall. Snooka goes for a back elbow only for Brunzel to move, and Morocco takes the blow. Don and Superfly start arguing and shoving each other in the ring when Wahoo and Brunzel each cradle them up for a two count. Pier 6 breaks out with everyone brawling, and the ref calls for the bell. For a double DQ. I was waiting for, to see if you were going to say Pier 6 or not so I could do it. I was like, <laughs> waiting. Post-match, Wahoo tosses Snooka to the ropes and hits him with a chop on his way back that sends Superfly diving towards the ropes and does a full 360, <laughs> no hands, fall out over the ropes onto the floor. 
It was a gross, <laughs> yeah, gross as like, bum. Snooker, you don't have to do that. It was so gross. But I don't think you could tell that man anything. No. <laughs> I mean, you could tell him anything, but what he <laughs> yeah. would retain, what? not too much. Yeah, I was like, oh, man. But, I mean, he's definitely a performer. Like, oh, definitely. Snooker once, like, there's a reason he was so popular. One, he always looked incredible. He doesn't look any different now than he did in, like, fucking 1978. Yeah. And uh, he's just the kind of guy that demands your attention, like, at all times. He just... He'll do anything for the pop. Yep. Addicted to the pop. So this would be Blackjack Mulligan's final match of his career. And it would also be the last time we will see Wahoo McDaniel and Jim Brunzel. We never see him again. So thanks, thanks for all the memories, guys. Yes, of course. Like I said, a big Killer B fan back in those early episodes. Missy's then on the stage with the assassin and mad dog Vashon. Mad Dog Vashon is a professional wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And remind me, is he Luna's dad? Yes. Cat. And we last saw the Assassin at Clash 20, the last Legends reunion that mm-hmm. we basically saw, which was episode 75. The 20th anniversary of the Clash on exactly. TBS? Or the Assassin or wrestling on TBS? To just show up. It's like they just always get invited. Paycheck, baby. Uh-huh. Vashon starts cutting a promo, then Hyatt turns to ask the assassin a question. But Mad Dog grabs the mic back, saying, I'm not done talking. <laughs> Don't you, man. These guys, they just they want that camera time. Assassin then starts cutting a promo on Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> and I was like, is that a match anyone actually wants to see? I mean, if Dusty's there, I want it, but... Uh, now, do I really want it? No, but if Dusty's involved, then I just... I'm not mad at it. So I did a little bit of research. So over the course of, like, literally the next year, the assassin keeps showing up and continues to cut <laughs> promos on Dusty <laughs> Rhodes. I'm pretty pumped about that. Awesome. But the match never happens. <laughs> really? It's just him... You think he's just doing it when they put a mic in front of him? And they're like, well, we can't... We're not gonna met. We're not gonna tell him what to do. He's the assassin. I guess one thing I'd say about the assassin here is he is busting out of that mask. His face he's has gotten been busting out of that mask. <laughs> I know, but here maybe it's more obvious because he's so much closer to the camera. But like he's got a like a a, a, a large mask and a double XL face right now. <laughs> so we're headed off to our fourth match, Ivan Koloff. Legends match number two. Exactly. And Baron Von Raschke versus Thunderbolt Patterson and someone. someone. So the last time we saw Koloff was at Starcade 88, episode 24. Von Raschke at SummerSlam 88, episode 21. And Thunderbolt at Clash 20, which was episode 75. He was just, he was one of the people they interviewed. Thunderbolt takes the mic and says he will take on both men. And after he says this, Tony then tells us that Bullet Barb Armstrong was supposed to be in this match. Yes, and he actually says, I'll kick both y'all's ass. Because <laughs> Thunderbolt has got that energy that I like. Exactly. Yeah. But without lightning, is he very, very frightening? But Bullet Bob actually had to have <laughs> emergency knee surgery. So he was not able to make it to the show. Oh, from working out the day before. <laughs> so Ivan and Baron start running down the Armstrong name. When Brad Armstrong comes strolling down to the ring, takes the mic, 
and says he will take his dad's place. And we haven't seen Brad since Clash 21, episode 78. Was that... I think that's when he got beat down by uh, Pilman. Pilman, oh yeah. Yeah, when he was... His dad was there, or wait, no. He got beat, yeah, he got beat down, yeah. He got, he got beat his, down one night, one like, time small, by Pilman. small, like, singles? Small, small, I don't know if we call it a singles Pil- run. Pilman acted like he was hurt. And yeah, yeah, down. I remember that, but I'm just like, I guess he had a small singles run, because... Then, you know, they did that tag team where they had, like, three different names. Yeah. Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. No. That was Tracy Armstrong. Oh. Not Brad. Okay. Or, no, I thought Tracy it was Brad Smothers. Armstrong and Tracy Smothers. Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. Steve Armstrong. Okay. I was like, it wasn't Brad. I knew too it wasn't many, Brad. Too many Armstrongs. Brad was Fantasia and... Oh. Arac- the Birdman. Yeah, Arac- like Arachnum. Arac- Arachnum. Arachnum. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, Fantasia was fun. Uh, he's not he's done stupid. yet. No. <laughs> no. Too many Armstrongs. I apologize for any Armstrong stands out there. Patterson and Armstrong attack the foreigners with a back body drop, drop kick, and big right hands that send Koloff out to the floor by Brad, followed by Baron being knocked out as well. Thunderbolt has some very unorthodox movements. I guess that's the way you could say it. Something like that. He's like... Strolling around the ring. Oh, doing yeah, that, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know audio doesn't work. Yes, you can't yes. see me. They can. He's less of a less of a shaky man and more of like if uh, if Dusty was as cool as he thought he was, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Right. You know what? I don't know. It's kind of a way to put it. But those unorthodox moments. Granted, we love Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, it allows him to slip out of a headlock by Von Raschke multiple times. Ivan with a snapmare and a leg drop on Armstrong. The foreigners follow with a double back elbow, and then Baron with a head slam into several turnbuckles before locking on the claw. But Patterson comes in, slapping Von Raschke away, allowing Brad to make the hot tag. Thunderbolt with rapid strikes on both members, then tosses Koloff into Baron for them to be knocked down. Armstrong with mounted punches on Ivan. Patterson with a double throat thrust on Von Raske for the pin and the win. Yeah, that was a match. Yep. This would be Thunderbolt Patterson's final match of his entire career. And it would also be the last time we see Ivan Koloff and Baron Von Raske. What do you do after this? Sell cars? Uh, Thunderbolt Patterson here with the news report. The weather report (laughs) for Georgia. Did you know that... um, my favorite man, Rick Steiner, just sells houses now. Really? Yeah. His brother, I mean, I you know, does math and uh, owns Shoney's, but he's out there probably selling million-dollar homes. I I'd that be was happy weird. to buy a house from the dog face gremlin. I mean, I would probably I'd fake it, fake it just to hang out with him. So the thing is, pay you call Conrad you. to get a mortgage, and um, then you go to Rick Steiner to buy the house. There you go. Get to meet the podfather and... And the dog face gremlin yeah, all at the same yeah. time. Go sign the paperwork over at Shoney's. <laughs> over a, I don't know what Shoney's has. A, over a, a, over buffet. a chicken fried steak. Yeah, I haven't been to Shoney's since I was like thirteen, so I'm trying to remember. But I don't even think there eat. is one in the state. I assume I it's like a mix between like it's a buffet. Oh, oh it's a buffet. Yeah. Gross. It's like Grandy's. So but probably better. not open at this point. <laughs> We then get a flare for the gold Ooh. with Ric Flair and Fifi the Maid. I know. What a terrible, poor, poor name. The set looks like a house is on the stage. 
with some ladies sitting on a couch over on one side. Fifi's serving drinks on the other side. Yeah. And Flair comes out. It's very out. WWF or like more of a TV show type of thing. Mm-hmm. I, we haven't seen a lot of this. Picked up a few things while he was up north. Oh, yeah. Flair comes out and says, Tonight's the night you will never forget. For it is the reunification of the four horsemen. But is it really? Did you pop a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I did, but I was like, I think that, don't they miss him one later? I have like a sub in. Fifi then comes walking in and does a little twirl, you know. Mm-hmm. Fifi. She's not there to only look good. She's there to serve drinks. That's right. If you don't know, Fifi is actually the current Mrs. Mrs. Rick Flair. Oh. And Sam, I'm glad you said that because I was looking at her thinking, all right, is she past, present, or future Flair? <laughs> <laughs> How many Flair wives is there? I think there's four. Uh, that's the fourth. One. That's not that bad considering. Yeah, that's like a normal Oklahoman man. But many have ridden the Space Mountain. Yeah. Rick then brings out Arn Anderson, and the last time we saw him was at Clash Twenty One, Episode Seventy Eight. Too long. I agree. Yep. Arn cuts a promo on Barry Windham's because they have a match later on in the night. Flair then gives us the bad news. Tully Blanchard. Isn't showing up. Boo. Because talking about. WCW wouldn't pay him what he wanted. I wonder what he wanted. Uh, more money than they were going to give him? I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously. They so were probably then, just going to give him the standard legends you know, payment that they yeah, were giving yeah. everybody else that showed up there. 50 bucks in a six pack? Yeah. We'll say your name on TV and remind people who you are. Rick then brings out Ole Anderson. And the last time we saw him was as a referee. At Beach Blast 92. Oh, when he went from heel to face. Yeah. <laughs> heel, heel ref to face ref. <laughs> which was episode 70. But this would be his only appearance with the Reformed Horsemen, as him and Flair did not get along at this point. I mean, from what I understand, always pretty hard to get along with. And I'm sure that Flair's probably not always the easiest guy to get along with no, either. Flair's going to say and do what he wants to say and do because... He's fucking Ric Flair? He's Ric Flair, and sorry, Ole, but... You're not fucking Ric Flair. <laughs> haven't, you haven't done much than referee a match in the last year yeah. and a half. And uh, you're not you're not the other... You're not nearly as uh, yeah. entertaining as the other Anderson. You're not heir to the throne. <laughs> Favorite Ole Anderson match? Starcade 84, Hillman <laughs> Keith Larson. <laughs> I don't need that it. tells you how long ago it's... Yeah. Actually, no. Hillman Hillman Arn did have a match versus the Rockers, or not the Rockers, Rock and Roll Rock Express. And Roll that there was a it was a time limit draw, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay, that's one more. Rock and Roll Express are involved. It's probably worth your time. Arn involved, probably worth your time. Ole, not all the time. Yeah. It was ten years ago, so yeah, yeah. it was it was a little bit more worth he's, your time. He was, he was a little bit more um, mobile. Yeah. But then Rick brings out the newest member of the Four Horsemen. Can it be? These are big shoes to fill. I know. You know, you gotta, you gotta set the standard or fit in with the standard. It's gotta be somebody big. It's gotta be somebody legendary. Somebody that's going to be remembered forever and ever and it's ever. It's none other than fan favorite, Rick Rude. Rude. No, Pretty Paul Rude. Roma. Huh? And the last time we saw him was at SummerSlam 91, episode 59. Was that part of his power, power and glory? glory? I was like, yeah. Remind me, was he power or was he glory? <laughs> he was glory. He was glory. Yeah. That's right. Hercules is always going to be power. Uh, yeah, but, but like, it's like, if the, he's, the thing that I remember the most about him is power and glory, and nobody remembers power and glory. Yeah. So, I got a question, kind of a side tangent here. Yeah. If 
Pillman and Austin hadn't joined forces by this point, do you think they put one of them in this group instead? Yes. Which one? I, I mean, either know. one is a better choice. They're both they're both have been separately over and are now over together. So so like kind duh. of one of those things like if Austin joins the four horsemen here. Do the four horsemen does go on? I mean, does uh-huh. Austin end up going over to WWF and Probably becoming not. becoming what he becomes? But I mean, either way, I think he would potentially still, have been a star. It's still WCW but. calling the shots on what they do with him, so it depends on if they could actually put their their vision behind him and make it actually or do something with it, as opposed to what they have been known to do. Just not have faith in something that is guaranteed to work. Not, not nothing against Pillman, but Austin definitely looks more like a four horseman. Yes. Oh, agreeable. Yes. Definitely. Austin looks like, more like a horseman, but Pillman has the flair factor that you know he was trained by flair at one point. So having a, 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 a an, an a, heir a, to a the flair throne yeah, of the horseman. An heir to the flair. I like it. Just a, well, it's Paul It's just a side. Oh, it's a side yeah, tangent yeah, that I, I thought of when I saw saw this. I was it's just an like, interesting thought because it's like. I just want to know what, what, are, like, what are they going to do with they Paul were Roma? Choosing between if Paul Roma was the winner, who else? I mean, was also it could have been a last minute. It was probably a last minute thing because well, Tully probably Tully, they wanted Tully probably to a come last back. minute yeah. thing where Tully was like, "Nah, like I want this," and they were probably trying to decide whether or not to do it. I'm sure is, it was more than they could. I mean, it, granted, it is they weren't Ted paying Turner, anybody but like, anything at this point. Yeah. yeah, they were still trying to. They and probably were still the, like hemorrhaging money at this point. This is the beginning of the. Or I guess they're so coming back up. The they're filling all the venues. Phase. Yeah. Which happens a lot, right? Paul Roma is not the worst person <laughs> no. that yeah. joins the Four Horsemen in the next 10 years. Yeah. Deborah McMichael had a worse husband. <laughs> we then go to Tony and Larry, and they're joined by Johnny Valentine to help call the next match. Valentine is an NWA professional wrestling and wrestling observer newsletter hall of famer and is also the father of greg the hammer valentine oh i miss i miss that moment where greg got to be over here in the wcw and then flair left and then who knows where greg went there was that moment where we were all so happy for him valentine was actually on the same plane that crashed oh with rick flair and he was paralyzed in that oh jesus yeah so then was he in a wheelchair here yeah, the rule was then made it. that no Valentine and Flair could be on an airplane the together. Same card, so yeah, oh, the same card is that what it is? That's why Greg Valentine <laughs> left as soon as Flair came back because it was bad juju. <laughs> <laughs> we did get an ad for Beach Blast '93. Ooh, fifth match, third legends, third legends match. Oh yeah, Dory Funk Jr. with Gene Kanitsky. Versus Nick Bockwinkle with Vern Gagne. We're just getting older with each match. Hey, Shane. Shane, wake up. Wake up. <laughs> so, Bockwinkle is an NWA professional wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. While Gagne is a professional wrestling, WCW, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. Yeah, so wake up, Shane. And wow. literally, like these... This show makes me feel like I'm doing Starcade '83 again because, like, every single match, I'm like having to be like, "This is all their, this is all their accomplishments." <laughs> I was like, I started this gimmick in episode one, <laughs> and I'm yeah, and I'm regretting it now. <laughs> yeah, wait till we get to like, it's your food challenge. This will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time we saw Dory Funk 
was at the big event as Hoss Funk in episode 9. And we saw Kaniski at Clash 20, but the last time he was in the ring was at Starcade 83, episode 1, as the referee. I'm still very upset about that. <laughs> they play this matchup, the announcers do, as AWA versus NWA, as Bockwinkle was one of the longest reigning AWA champions of all time, while Dory Funk Jr. is one of the more notable NWA champions. And uh, didn't Larry Zabisco was the last one to take the belt off of Bockwinkle? I think Zabisco may have been the last AWA champion, but oh, I yeah, don't he know was. if he took it off of Bockwinkle. I think he did. I think he talks about that here, which I thought was interesting. So the match gets going. There We get lots of mat wrestling when Dory gets Bockwinkle into a corner and starts delivering stiff uppercuts, which brings Gagne to the apron to distract the ref. Kaninsky tries to sneak in to help while that is happening, but the ref turns before he can make it into the ring. Gotta be quicker, Gene. Come on. Come on, speed it up, man. Funk escapes an arm lock with a body slam, only for Nick to come right back with a body slam of his own to knock Dory to the floor to regroup. And ten minutes remain in this match. Oh, and Tony Schiavone is just like, it's like he's got notes. He's just like uh, spouting off history like he's Chris Charlton over here. It's pretty funny to hear from Tony, of all people. I thought it was really weird. It's like, oh, somebody gave Tony something to say. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not pulling this off the top of his head. JR's not there to ramble off those facts anymore. So, mm-hmm. Well, he, he would also... just tell us whether or not they played football. <laughs> <laughs> Tony also tells us that the first induction That's into the so WCW <laughs> Hall of Fame will be later in the show. Oh, yeah. So why don't we ever count the WCW Hall of Fame? I only... missed them when they're in Oh, the yeah. I guess I mean, it's probably only like 15 right people. Donnie's Donnie in the WCW. I, when you started going into the Hall of Fame stuff, it's just out. like... I get it. Yeah, I'm I back though. It. <laughs> Forearms from Bockwinkle that stuns Funk. So Nick makes the cover only for Kaninsky to pull him off of Dory. These guys have names that are even more difficult than the Japanese names. So they like just <laughs> spout off next to each other. Your Kaninsky's and your Bockwinkle's. Slick Nick, if you will. Bockwinkle starts stalking Gene around ringside for a moment, only to get back in the ring for more incredible wrestling action with Funk. The two are trading holds until Nick, with a double leg takedown, tries to turn him over, but Dory is able to power out before hitting a back suplex. And five minutes remain. Holy shit. The two are working a reversed test of strength, going back and forth in it until Funk drops to the mat and kicks the chin of Bockwinkle. That was a fun spot. A reverse test of strength. I mean, you know I love a good <laughs> test of strength. You put that thing down, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> yeah. and, and Missy's out of her cage. She's awake. Three minutes remain. Dory with some forearms that knock Nick out to the ramp and brings him back into the ring with a vertical suplex for a two count. Two minutes remain. Funk with a pile driver goes Ooh, for the cover. That fallback funk pile driver. I love it. I knew that that's like when when I saw a funk in a, in this match, I was like, well, I know I'm waiting for that spot. Yep. But Bockwinkle puts a boot on the rope. Dory goes for a double underhook suplex, but Nick reverses it into a backslide for a near fall. Back elbow by Funk, single leg takedown, and goes for the spinning toe hold as we hit one minute remaining, only for Bockwinkle to cradle Dory for a two count. Nick then goes to the figure four with 45 seconds left, but Kaninsky runs in and stomps on Bockwinkle, which gives Dory just enough reprieve to make it to the ropes with 30 seconds remaining. 
no one going to call DQ on this match, really? The I two. Know. I mean, there's only 30 seconds remaining. I guess, they, so. they, yeah, it's like two former. It's legends. obvious that they had the uh, had the plan. This is AWA versus NWA. You're never going to get this again. So you just got to let it finish. <laughs> the two are trading strikes when Nick hits a body slam with 10 seconds remaining, but only gets a two count. Funk cradles with three seconds remaining, but they're in the ropes, so we have a time limit draw. Duh. Wow. Now, as much as you guys just hated on that match. No, I liked the match. Yeah. Uh, I liked this one. I was I was pretty into it, and I really appreciate that when it's over, you know what this beautiful crowd does? They give them a standing ovation. I know. It made my heart grow. I know. I was like... I didn't think this crowd was into this match at all by yeah. the way they were reacting during yeah. the match. I love the um, the the WCW fans are Wrestling more fans. yeah they're more in tune with like the history of of like the promotion and the people that have been working these areas for the last twenty plus years. Yeah, this is like everybody's two favorite grandpas just put on a, a little wrestling match together. So you know the the whole world has to stand up and applaud because. Everybody had a winner in that fight. You know, even even if you weren't rooting for anybody, just the fact that you got to see these two legendary people. Yeah, at one throw point down both one these guys were time. like champions for extended amounts of time and yeah. they're and on the on television and there wasn't a lot of channels uh, when these guys were like so like people yeah. there's a lot more eyes on wrestling in general. Yep. This would be Nick Bockwinkle's final match of his career. And Dory Funk Jr. probably is having a match right now somewhere. Finally gets to retire that hair. <laughs> we then go to Eric Bischoff on the stage, and he has Luthez More and legends. Bob Geigel. And Geigel says that he thinks the style of the last match is coming back. Please, God, no. Oh, you know. Maybe with a little more snap, you could appreciate it. The uh, Who's who's Geigel? We haven't... He was a former NWA uh, president. Okay. We haven't really, I don't remember ever, ever, hear, ever even hearing his name. No. So that's all. Just, just asking. He was president around the, uh, back when Harley Race was champion. Okay, so basically pre-Starcade pre 83. Before we started, yeah. yeah. Back when wrestling was the star and you didn't really have to bring out all these corporate people. You had to, to bring out the legends, man. Well, the legends back then are were still the legends. Yeah, they were already there. Yeah, they were all, they were all, uh. In their in their separate um, prime, yeah, they have prime or maybe towards the end of their prime, depending on the guy. So our sixth match, ravishing Rick Rude, he back, and Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Excited for that versus the Natural Dustin Rhodes and Kazuke Sasaki. I mean, come on, look at these four names, especially considering how high I am on Paul as of recently, right? And Rick's back. That's right. And Rick's back, guys. And they both have championships. Our favorite guy, Rick. Rude had the U.S. belt. Orndorff <laughs> had the television championship. Did you notice that Rude and Orndorff seem to have had the same robe? I did. Mm. It was very, uh, to put it in modern day terms, glorious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, they both have titles. Does that mean that they're like, well, if we have these guys together right now and we decide to take the titles off of them, we got... Pretty bitchin' tag team here, and they already got matching gear. Wonderfully rude. Oh, I oh, like that a lot. Wonderfully ravishing. <laughs> Ravishingly <laughs> wonderful. It's all good. Uh, wonderfully rude is so Rick good. Paul? <laughs> uh, Rick Paul? No. Rick Paul. God. 
Tony mentions that on the last week's episode of Worldwide, that the Ravishing One had actually won the U.S. belt from Rhodes in a controversial manner. Controversial manner, Rick Rude. No way. I smell rematch at some point. Oh, yeah. Hopefully we get to see it. Rude starts trash talking and shoving Kanzuke, but Sasaki comes right back to do the exact same. Oh, yeah. Kanzuke's not taking his shit, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And he tosses the Ravishing One into the corner. Rude starts laying it in with right hands and forearms, but misses a clothesline, allowing Kanzuke to attack the arm of the Ravishing One. Mr. Wonderful tags in, and he gets the same exact treatment from his opponents. Rude and the Natural start trading blows until Dustin hits a back body drop, charges into a corner, only for the Ravishing One to get a knee up. But then Rude charges into a knee as well. And I love that immediately, like, Kanzuke just starts working that, working that Rude arm. So Rhodes goes for a crossbody that the Ravishing One ducks, sending the Natural flying over the ropes to the floor. Rude and Orndorff begin working over Dustin on the outside, slamming his head into the apron and guardrails. Back in, the Ravishing One with a swinging neckbreaker does some gyrating before making the cover for two. Mr. Wonderful comes in for them to double-team Rhodes, slamming his head into a turnbuckle. Rude's back in, trying for a pile driver but the natural fights out of it, only for the Ravishing One to then try for a backbreaker, which Dustin wiggles his way into reversing it into a pile driver of his own. Yeah, Dustin Rose is a special. He's a natural. Orndorff comes back in to keep the attack going, but after an Irish whip, he and Rhodes bump heads for a double KO. One thing I've been that has been bothering me, Rick Rude, it must be like, like Colt Cabana cheap, or... He's just not getting paid because his gear is blown out. He needs some boy needs some fresh trunks. He hasn't had any in a while. I don't know what the deal is. You're supposed to be ravishing, sir, and he you are in the ring. But let it let it uh, let, it, let it trickle a, into the gear. He hasn't had a you know a good prime Payday, time yeah. feud in a while. Yeah. So you know he usually gets those those new trunks with the. The special the graphics yeah. on it when he's got a, a hot feud going on, and I know, but even then he could at least just this. Yeah, they, they look so faded. It's that what could have. It's been not the fit for the for the man. He was supposed to win the championship against Ron Simmons, and yeah. you know he could have had all kinds of new new trunks. He would have had the cash. Then on, but what could have been? Kanzuke's tagged in, comes off the top with a flying clothesline, an inverted atomic drop, and does some gyrating of his own before multiple clotheslines on Rude. Lifts him up with a military press and throws him at Mr. Wonderful (laughs) when he comes into the ring, Uh. who then walks into a big right hand by Rhodes. Sasaki and the Natural then toss their opponents into each other for a double noggin knocker, sending Ordorf out to the ramp. The ref forces Dustin back to the apron as he isn't the legal man, where Mr. Wonderful attacks him. Kanzuke heads up to the top rope, only for Orndorff to shove him off allowing the Ravishing One to hit the Rude Awakening for the pin and, and the win. win. Aww. Only <laughs> one. So next up is our Hall of Fame induction with Gordon Soli. And we haven't seen Soli, at least commentating or in the ring at all, since Clash number nine. I know, I was excited to see old Mr. Suplay. Which was episode 35. Suplay. I know. He just seems like the sweetest man. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know much about his personal life, but 
He seems like such a sweet man. He tells us that four people are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But before he begins, he he reads off names of some wrestlers who have passed away. Our fallen legends. Exactly. Our uh, big buff angels. Buddy Rogers, Andre the Giant, Pat O'Connor, Gene Anderson, Dick the Bruiser, Wilbur Snyder, and one he decides to keep secret. Yeah. And what's weird is, I don't know who Wilbur Snyder is, but I've heard of all these other guys. I just want to know why they find it cute to keep a, somebody who's died's name a secret. <laughs> oh, we'll find out. We're here, we're here to break it down, Shane. I know. It's just... I thought it's it was weird very. Weird. I thought it was very. Yeah, weird. I, did. I was like, huh? Okay. Yeah, I thought more, like, but we're, we're not going to tell you now. Yeah, but somebody else is dead. Kevin Sullivan's going to come out. They're going to do a séance. <laughs> Perfect. They then observe a moment of silence for those fallen legends. Uh, they try to. The crowd kind of gets a little quiet for a second. But then he tells us the first inductee is Luthes. Uh huh. I didn't mention his accomplishments earlier because I left them for right here. He's a member of the NWA, Professional Wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames, along with the WCW mm, as he's here being we inducted are. right here. The second inductee is Vern Gagne. I did give his credentials earlier. I wanted to spread them out just a little bit. The third inductee was Mr. Wrestling 2. He's also a member of the NWA and Professional Wrestling Hall of Fames. We did see him in a video at Clash 20, which was episode 75. Also, my namesake, as I am Mr. Wrestling 3. And the fourth inductee is the man who was kept secret, Eddie Graham. And he's being represented by his son, Mike Graham. Who has the most wonderful big diamond earring. He looks like a big coke boy. (laughs) Eddie Graham is a member of the NWA Professional Wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames, along with the WCW, obviously. Each inductee was given a plaque and some kind words going over their accomplishments by Gordon Soley. Yeah, uh, some of these accomplishments that I enjoyed was that only two years ago, uh, from obviously this point in 1993, Luthez was wrestling in Japan. It's like, damn. Also, didn't realize how big Luthez was. He's yeah, a yeah. big man. Mr. Wrestling 2, at one point in his career, for to keep kayfabe, refused a invitation to the White House because he would have had to take his mask off. That is some energy I can get behind. You have to take your mask off to go to the... I don't, I don't think you can wear a mask Secret, secret Service yeah, has to, like, I don't think they're just gonna has to know who you are. Yeah. Rude. You're, you're being brought in... and you. It's part of your character. I know, but, you know. Stupid. Can't break kayfabe. Man. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. I wonder if Sting could Stupid go in with his, with his makeup. and everything. Yes, uh, he probably could. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, oh, that, that one, I, that one uh, got a good chuckle, smile, and uh, <laughs> I appreciated it. Respect uh, the mask. So congratulations to our four inductees. Yes. And congratulations to Mike for his earring. big, handsome earring. If he just had a, a different tie on, he'd be looking like... A, you know, 1993 uh, superstar playboy. We then go to Missy Hyatt, who's up on the stage with Mr. Hawaii, Lord James Blears, and John Tolos. To who? Hmm. Blears is a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. It's basically all I really have about him because <laughs> I, I have no clue. Yep. 
and the last time we have seen Tolos before. I'm listening. It was at SummerSlam 1991, episode 59, as the coach. Ah, I can hear the damn whistle blowing already. Mm. Do you remember the coach? No. Mr. Perfect's, Mr. Perfect's manager, uh, manager oh, okay. before the genius. All right. The, uh, I mean, anything's He's only better in than one match. So. Anything's better yeah. than the genius. The whistle it just makes me think of fucking Bill Alfonso. And that whistle. I hate it. Oh, you'll grow to love it. <laughs> um, it's like it's worse than Jimmy Hart's megaphone. It's just like, ah, it pierces. Uh, you want to know what's worse than Jimmy Hart's megaphone? Missy Wait for this gu- match. <laughs> Missy gushing over Tolos. Yeah, I mean, and saying they he was having a blast at the party last night. I was like, is she flirting with John Tolos? She wants. Like, she's like uh, on some sugar some daddy movie. shit. Maybe. Maybe he's a self-made man outside of this wrestling business. Maybe he's like one of those Hollywood blondes. Maybe he's just. I mean, those guys are good looking. Too though. sexy. Tolos then cuts a promo on how great WCW is. And then Lord James gives Hyatt a monocle. Hmm. Sure. Interesting. That's what I thought. Too. Maybe it's a fetish <laughs> for him. He's like pre-steampunk fetish guy. Uh, here, Missy, take this little shiny object so it'll distract you from this <laughs> next horrible match. Oh. Our seventh match. <laughs> Sting versus the Prisoner. How can Sting be terrible? In a bounty match. Unfortunately, it's not Sting. It's his opponent. Who, oh, yeah, I know. We've seen him before. Yeah. So he, this match was actually supposed to be Scott Norton. Okay. But Scott Norton decided not to show up. Hey. He decided to hang out in Japan. Smart guy. He, left, get, he get, stayed in Japan. I guess. Probably a better paycheck. Don't really know why. Couldn't really find out why. But maybe he missed his It spot. was supposed to be Norton. Didn't show up. But instead, we get the greasiest, get maybe the, the greasiest, grossest guy we've covered ever. We get the, the prisoner. prisoner has just a gnarly vibe. Yep. And the last time we saw the prisoner was at Survivor Series 1992. Episode 79 as Nails. Against the Big Bass Man. Yeah. And, and a match I guess, that everybody loves. What I was it? A nightstick on a pole? Yeah, it was the nightstick on a pole. And I guess he kept the nightstick because he still has one here. Well, I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's still wearing his same. It's literally just the broke out of same prison gimmick. gimmick yeah. And same gear. I just, the I number really, is the same. Yeah. yeah. They were just like, oh, like you're not employed right now? Like, somebody like just that. had his phone number and they're like, okay, we can make this happen. And we gotta put Sting on the show. We can't not have Sting on the show. I wonder how he would sound if they let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that beautiful like weird voiceover thing they did. The prisoner starts. Maybe he has like a real high squeaky voice. <laughs> the prisoner starts using his vast offense by choking away on the stinger, <laughs> back elbow, and back to choking by the prisoner. Head slam into a turnbuckle and a backbreaker for a two count. There's a man full of verve. <laughs> The prisoner charges into the corner, but Sting moves and begins to fire up with right hands, only for the prisoner to rake his eyes and throw him to the floor. Starts choking oh. with a camera cable. It's something different. Even going as far as to hanging with it. Yeah, he tries for that spot that we've seen so many times. Gotta hang him over, gotta drape him over, over the ropes and yep. hang him from the floor. It's, it looks good. Except for it doesn't here, but it can look good. Multiple head slams into the apron before rolling back into the ring. Charges into a corner with a knee. But Sting comes back with a clothesline, a back body drop, and a stinger splash. Double leg takedown and goes for the cover. But the stinger only gets a two count. Follows up with a body slam and a jumping elbow drop. 
only for the prisoner to move. No. The prisoner then grabs the ref, allowing Sting to go up to the top rope, coming off with a flying clothesline for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Sorry if I yawned on Mike, uh, but yeesh. He hit the stinger splash. Yeah. And then still had to do like five more moves to put down the prisoner. Yeah. Did we really need the prisoner to get this much offense? No. Did we really even need to have this fucking match at all? No. Uh, like, but I got good news for you guys. Mm-hmm. This will be the last time we will ever see the prisoner. Oh, wow. I was, I was going to say maybe he would start a tag team with Eric Watts. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Shane's favorite tag team ever. Yeah, Prison Riot. I can we, see it already. They could use the tutelage of old Rob Parker. <laughs> we had another ad for Peach Blast 93 before we go to the stage with Eric Bischoff, and he's there with the Crusher and Ox Baker. Crusher is a professional wrestling, WCW, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And for Michael's tastes, the Ramones had a song on their last album called Adios Amigos. Yeah. Called Crusher, which was about this gentleman. Ah. Good to, good to know. I was like, the last album, which one is that? There's like 40 Ramones records. But it's Adios Amigos. It's got some like... Uh, Dinosaurs on the cover with sombreros on. It's a really weird album cover. Thermones. <laughs> yeah. Is anything not weird about them? Uh, no, and that's why we love them. Crusher claims to have been in more cage matches than anybody. I don't know this for certain. I didn't add them up. Yeah, I mean, ask Kane or some shit. But if you want to do your research, maybe I'll add it as a trivia question. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. Yeah. And we, the we Crusher not... is really good at talking gibberish. Have, have we ever covered a Crusher match? No. Good, then I do not have to know that answer. <laughs> Ox, best known for his eyebrows and his finishing move, the, the heart, heart punch. But he might also be known to our movie fans as the gladiator in Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. He's a, got a, he's a, a look. If you've seen him, you'll remember him once you see his face. Also, uh, I've seen Ox Baker talk in more recent years uh and he's an older gentleman still entertaining but not all there but here it was nice to see that he was cutting a promo and came off like uh pretty cool like genuinely pretty cool as opposed to like entertaining in the wrestling documentary 365 where he cooks potato like i think he makes what's that crap called where it's like ground beef and potatoes and corn or whatever a shepherd's pie he makes like a shepherd's pie on like a dirty oven in his house and it is a rough thing to watch but very he's very charming i have to save that recipe i love shepherd's pie though his doesn't look so hot <laughs> it might not be a shepherd's pie but it's something close and it's uh, the blandest version of it we then go to our eighth match ricky the dragon steamboat and shane douglas versus the hollywood blondes of stunning Steve Austin and flying Brian Pillman for the NWA and WCW Tag Team Championships in a steel cage match. So is it, do each of them have a belt and we're unifying them? Or does somebody have both of the titles? What's the up Hollywood here? Blondes have both of them. All right. They are unified. They just didn't unify them. But they're them. still 
technically both WCW and NWA belts. It's a mess. It yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's all good. It makes perfect sense for 1993 WCW. <laughs> yeah. The NWA belts will disappear soon enough. So the story behind this match was that the Blondes had finally defeated Steamboat and Douglas for the belts and announced that there would be no rematches. So Ricky and Shane would... They bought masks? They would don the Dos Hombres outfits and win a non-title match to earn another shot. But they, nobody knew it was them at first? Correct. They like, Ricky Steamboat could not... Could just... All he, like... Nobody else moves like him. Well, no, 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 they didn't know until after the match they won. They pulled their mask yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, oh, now we already have the shot, so you can't take it away. Exactly. Yeah. Fun, fun idea. And that's why Ricky takes the mic and says, they had good luck in the masks before, so they'll use them again here. I don't, I feel like there's got to be another reason. Did Ricky get beat up by his wife? He seems like the kind of guy that would get beat up by his wife. <laughs> Which I mean is pretty, which is honestly pretty good for uh, a wrestler because most wrestlers go the other route. Unfortunately, we see see two sleazy-looking guys in the audience, and the only reason I bring it up is because Tony and Larry mention it. Yeah, I'm like, I think they said something about Hollywood agents, maybe. Yeah, they have like a they have like a like '90s mafia vibe slash I guess like cigar chomping Hollywood vibe. Sounds legit. So the match gets going with Ombre 1. He gets his head slammed into a turnbuckle, a snapmare, and Austin tries to tear the mask off, only for Ombre Uno to start chopping away, letting us know that it's Steamboat. Yes. That's what they want us to think. <laughs> the dragon's working on Pillman and telegraphs a back body drop, but Flying Brian kicks him and attempts to slam him into the cage, but Ricky blocks and reverses. Arm drag on both blondes by Steamboat, and Douglas comes in to work on Austin's arm. The two men both try to toss each other into the cage, until Shane shoves them into it multiple times. Steamboat with a back body drop that sends Stunning Steve into the cage, an atomic drop that sends him into... Into the cage! Again, and then thrown <laughs> head first into the cage oh, yeah. as well. Lots of cage. Yeah, as I write it, uh, caw. Cage's weapon. <laughs> Austin breaks the hombre's momentum with an eye rake. Pillman slams Shane's head into a turnbuckle and goes for an Irish whip that is reversed. So Fly and Brian jumps up on the ropes to come off with a crossbody that Douglas ducks. So Pillman drops down only to receive a gut shot to take him down. Brian with chokes, snapmare, goes for an elbow drop, but Shane moves and hits an arm drag. Steamboat with a military press of Brian and tosses him into the cage. Pillman's trying to back away and ends up pulling Ricky into the turnbuckle head first. Stunning Steve with a body slam, but his back gives. So the dragon responds with clotheslines, takes Austin up into a vertical suplex, hanging him in a tree of woe <laughs> from the top of the cage. Yeehaws. Pretty awesome. Ricky hits a splash on him. And the hombres try for an Irish whip-aided crossbody. But Steve ends up falling from the cage right as Douglas ends up. So it sends Shane into the cage. Yeah, it's cool. It's like, this is what we use cages for. I couldn't tell if that was a planned him dropping. No. Or if he accidentally just fell. Yeah, I couldn't really tell. Also, the camera is really close, so it's kind of like... 
like it's like too close to where it's kind of harder to tell exactly what happened but it's one of those spots where it's like that kind of looks like a botch but it's the one that i appreciate where i'm like oh it adds that that little bit of realism something to it it, even if it wasn't pillman with a jawbreaker on shane austin with a back elbow snap mirror second rope elbow drop quick tags and double teams from the blondes and they go for a cover but douglas gets his boot on the rope Flying Brian with a snapmare comes off the second rope with an elbow drop, but Shane gets a boot to the chin and starts crawling to his corner, but stunning Steve hits him from behind to stop the tag. Desperation drop kick by Douglas. Austin is up first, but doesn't know what corner he's in, so he gets ping-pong punched, and Shane goes to jump over him for the tag, but Steve catches him and delivers a spine buster. Body slammed by Austin, and the blondes go for their rocket launcher. But Douglas gets his knees up and makes his way to the corner for the hot tag. Steamboat's in with chops, throws Austin into the cage head first, follows up by doing the same to Brian. Steve starts heading up to the top of the cage to escape, though that still isn't a way to win in WCW. No. And the dragon stuns us all by pulling Austin's tights down as he pulls puts him on his shoulders for an electric chair slam. I mean, Steve was just trying to escape. They get the DQ, keep the belts, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pillman goes to climb to the top of the cage as well, and Ricky knocks him down onto the ropes, crotching him. Not so fast, Pilly. Steamboat then delivers the double noggin knocker, the hombres with mounted punches and corners on both blondes, and toss them into each other. Attempt to throw him into the cage but Pillman reverses, sending Shane into the cage instead. They really are using this cage in this match. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're making good use of it. Yes. Even Rick, though it's a tag match and it shouldn't be in a cage. Correct. Ricky with a drop kick on Brian, and he goes up to the top rope, takes his mask off, so we definitely now have what? complete... We definitely know that it's... Yeah, yeah, we have, we have visual confirmation. Yeah. Instead of coming off the top rope, He climbs to the top of the cage, coming off with a crossbody on both of the blondes. Pretty fucking cool. Makes the cover for the pin, and no, they kick out, even though the bell rung. Yeah, right at three, bell rings, what's going on? The ref's yelling to the outside of the ring while the dragon hits a DDT on Austin, but only a two count as the ref is late getting there. Steamboat then with a DDT on Pillman and makes the cover. But Brian kicks out. What's going on here? The hombres with stereo drop kicks on the blondes both make covers, both for near falls. The hombres then go to toss the blondes into each other again. But Pillman reverses, sending Shane into a stun gun by Austin, while Ricky is hit with a DDT by Flying Brian. Stunning Steve makes the cover for the pin and And the win. win. And still. And still. Uh, so you're going to break this down for me, damn it? So, here's the reason why the masks. I would say this is the last time we would see Shane Douglas in a WCW ring for a few years. But it wasn't even him in the ring. <laughs> it was Tom Zink under the mask. <gasps> Z-Man! I miss Z-Man. I love Z-Man. And this would be the last time we ever see him. 
I know, it's crazy. Why? Z-Man's a star, right? Z-Man? Isn't the Z-Man a star? Yeah. Don't you think the Z-Man's well, potentially I mean, a star? We love Tom Z- They just it. put together that whole Pretty Woman-style package with his new tag team partner. I know, that, that promo was fun, where they were like, you know, where they were messing around with the Do you remember who his tag ladies? team partner was? <sighs> Shane Douglas? No. Isn't it the guy who ends up becoming Max Moon or something like that? No. 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 Was it Brad <laughs> Armstrong? No. Who was it? I don't remember. I can't remember his name. Either. Oh, okay. I thought you had it. That's the point. We couldn't remember. We were just excited because it was Zinc, and they were giving him a gimmick because he's never had a gimmick outside of just being like handsome and fun in the ring. Really, right? He's just like been a pretty straightforward babyface most of the time, right? Yeah. I love Zinc. Why didn't Zinc have a real career? Because well, they brought in Pretty Paul instead. <sighs> Zinc doesn't have. Tom Zinc should have been the fourth horse. Man. I don't know if that's true, but anything is. Anything for my boy Z is what I want for him. Any and everything. Yeah. But instead, this is where his career legitimately ends. I mean, it's the last time that we see him. He's never in a in a big in a, a big, big promotion show. or anything like that. Never again. So Ooh. we're not going to see some Holiday Inn conference room. <laughs> not show. that we know of. <laughs> no, I did not see any ECW stuff yeah. on his resume. <laughs> Man, well, I hope Zinc is happy and healthy and alive That's out there right. somewhere, and maybe. We can find him on Cameo. Probably can't see it, but I'll even give the, the, the whole Zorro snap thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, in cool. a Z formation. Yes. We then go to the stage. Eric's there with Dusty Rhodes, Mr. Wrestling 2, and Stu Hart. What? I know we've seen Stu a couple times, but I've never mentioned his accomplishments before. Let's hear him. He is a professional wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And um, the proud owner of his own dungeon. Yes. Exactly. Proud Papa to many wrestlers. (laughs) Many children in general. Yeah, they even talk about how he's got like eight kids that are all wrestlers and three or like, you know, five wrestlers. wrestlers Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. The um, Stu Hart always looks like ass. Yes. (laughs) He is just like the most like crotchety weird old man. Yeah. Like. Lurch from the Adams family if he got a little bit older. Yeah, he also has that thing where, like, the top half of his body, like, his head and everything looks skinny, but then he always has this, like, just wild, like, wild gut. It's very bizarre. Mm. Not not trying to trash you, Stu, even though I just did, but weird guy. A few too many visits to Tim Hortons. <laughs> so the assassin decided to cut a promo on Dusty earlier, so mm-hmm. Dusty returns the favor, saying his big ol' ass is still in the building. Oh, yeah. Still. Like My I big said earlier, out here, baby. Nothing happens between these two guys. I know, but I love any excuse for uh, Dusty to be, in, be behind a microphone is <laughs> good for me. Absolutely. So we're headed to our ninth match. The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, versus Barry Windham for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. I mean, hell yeah. I've been saying for a long time Arn Anderson should have a championship match oh yeah and Arn Anderson looks great here he looks a little bit more fit a little bit more tan he's got some real uh real daddy vibes yeah absolutely this is maybe the the hottest Arn Anderson will ever look still bald but he's looking good it's all right can't hate on the ball no so the match is back and forth to start until Arn hits a belly to belly and a back body drop for a two count Barry's right back with big right hands, only for Anderson to hit a DDT for another two count. Wyndham retreats out to the ramp, then pulls the enforcer out, 
so they can brawl momentarily, buries them back in the ring and trying to stop Arn from coming back in, drags him to the corner and attempts to head slam Anderson into the turnbuckle, but it's blocked and reversed. The enforcer then climbs up to the top, coming off with a double axe handle, only for Wyndham to catch him in the gut on the way down. Arn is just like firing on all cylinders here. That spot when it starts where um, Barry Wyndham does the leapfrog and Arn just like stops short and turns around and like belly to belly or belly to back suplexes him. Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, all right, I'm in. I'm already instantly hooked. And we all don't have the strongest feelings about Barry Wyndham, but the feelings that we have for Barry Wyndham are the exact opposite and positive about Arn. (laughs) And it really makes this work. Barry with a DDT, elbow drop for a two count, before tossing Arn out to the floor. Wyndham tries to bring him back in from the apron with a suplex, but Anderson slingshots Barry out to the floor, before slamming his head on the guardrail multiple times, which busts him open. Ooh, and why couldn't we put this in a cage? We got Barry Wyndham, who fucked off in the uh, Four Horsemen. We got a, a horseman here taking him on. He should be a little angry. Put it in a cage. We already got the blood. The blood's here. Doesn't have to be in a cage, but better use of it. The enforcer works the cut. Cradles up Wyndham for a two count. Snapmare. More work on the cut until Arn goes up to the top rope when Barry charges in with a drop kick to send Anderson out to the floor, which Wyndham follows out to hit a vertical suplex. Once back in the ring, Barry with a top rope clothesline, jumping knee drop for a two count. The Enforcer goes low and tries to pick up Wyndham for a gourd buster, but Wyndham blocks and reverses into a suplex of his own for a near fall. Arn reverses an Irish whip, delivering a spine buster to Barry. Wyndham rolls to the outside and grabs his belt and decides to head to the locker room. Anderson follows out after him and tosses him over the ropes and back into the ring. See, nobody had to come down and get involved. Mm-mm. Yeah, if you had the cage, you wouldn't have a choice. and would be covered in blood. He's got a true crimson mask. This is a pretty gnarly blade job. The enforcer gets Barry in the corner and is pounding away on him. But the ref gets between them to get them out of the corner. Arn shoves the ref down, allowing Wyndham to grab his belt and nail Anderson over the head with it. For the pin. And, and the win. win. So it's a little sad news. This would be Arn Anderson's only world title shot ever on pay-per-view. And it's such a good match. Arn, like, pushing the ref out of frustration and then, like, realizing what he did and then, you know, ultimately losing for it. Oh. He was pissed off. He's pissed off. The guy just tried to leave. What kind of crap been? is that? Yep. What could have uh, been? What could have been? I know. Like, but this match, like... Halfway through it, I'm like, my notes are just like, this is wrestling. Like, scrawled as big as possible. Like, this is the shit that I want all the time. And it proves that you don't have to be the most technical guy to be half of a great match, as Barry Windham is great here in the role that he's in, yeah. even though he's not fucking quarter of the wrestler that Arn Anderson is. Let's see. So we're headed to our 10th match. Oh, I thought this was the last one. The British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, versus Big Van Vader with Harley Race. 
for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Is this when they start the tag where the big boys play? Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> might as well be here. Here you got your uh, your uh, NWA title, and then it's like, all right, well, I see you, Arn Anderson and uh, Barry Windham, and raise you a Vader and David Boy Smith, the bigger boys. Yes. So the story behind this match was that Vader and Cactus Jack have been feuding when Vader would powerbomb Jack on the concrete during a match, forcing him to the hospital. Davy Boy would come down to stop Vader from doing further damage and would challenge him for the belt. I can't picture Davy and Cactus hanging out, but hey, maybe they were good buds. <laughs> also, I realized that in the introduction, Van Vader is from the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I was like, oh. He was from Colorado. Yeah, the White Castle of Doom. We got mountains. All right. It makes fear. fear, sorry. Doom's no longer here. <laughs> but the fear still is. We've got the White Castle of Fear. I don't know if we still have the kick of fear. Uh, we'll have to wait around and see if <laughs> Barbarian is still... Kicking. Kicking, <laughs> exactly. So no one with an advantage early on as Vader hits the clothesline and a splash as Bulldog no-sells everything. Vader gets him in a corner and starts delivering stiff shots and choking him, pushing Davy Boy out to the floor where Harley Race delivers a shot as well. Vader goes for a splash against the guardrail, but Bulldog moves and the big man flips over into the front row. Oh, and I love that David Boy Smith took a note out of Hogan's book and started finger wagging. Davy Boy body slams him on the floor and then hits a stalling vertical suplex. Ooh, it's a big stalling in the vertical ring. suplex. It's a big boy that he lifted up. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Uh, another thing that I thought was weird was they talk about, like, Van Vader, like, attacking people during, like, public workouts. And I was like, I guess it was probably just a TV show thing, but I was like, public workout? What is the... What does that even mean? People showing them working out, and then he came, runs in and attacks them while they're yeah, working I out. I get it, but I don't know. Beach gym setups. <laughs> Walks up and starts throwing the old medicine balls at people's head. Mm-hmm. Bulldog charges in with a big boot in the corner, so Vader then goes up to the second rope, coming off, but Davy Boy catches him and delivers a power slam before clotheslining him back out to the floor. Yeehaw. Vader makes his way back in, and Bulldog goes for a crucifix, but Vader falls back, turning it into a Samoan drop. Multiple elbow drops and a Vader bomb for a two count. Goes back to the stiff shots, body slam, and goes up to the second rope for an avalanche splash. Vader sets Davy Boy on the top rope and climbs up for the superplex, but Bulldog blocks, knocking Vader off to the mat before delivering a diving headbutt. Davy Boy hits a suplex for a two count, but Vader is back up with a clothesline, tosses Bulldog to the ropes, who comes back in with a sunset flip, only for Vader to drop down with a butt splash, which Davy Boy moves to avoid mm. for a near fall. I mean, that could have. We about got Yoko'd. It's been over. <laughs> Another stiff shot lays out the Bulldog, and Vader hits a top rope splash. But he hurts himself in the process. Yeah, he's his first sternum sternum cell uh, in maybe all of wrestling that we've watched. Yeah, I mean that, <laughs> that, that, that big old dude screams kind of like a bitch. Leon, I think Leon had a pretty soft voice when he wasn't doing his wrestling voice. 
Vader tosses Davy Boy out to the floor where Harley continues the attack on the Bulldog. And once back in, Vader with some more stiff shots and sits on his back in a chin lock, only for Davy Boy to power up, picking Vader up on his shoulders for an electric chair drop. Ooh wee. The Bulldog with multiple clotheslines, laying it in with rights and lefts and gets a two count. Vader then reverses an Irish whip and goes for an avalanche splash, but Davy Boy catches him and delivers a running power slam. Makes the cover, but Race pulls the bulldog out of the ring by his dreads. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's it's a, a nice touch, because like, oh, somebody pulls your hair, you just are going to react because it hurts, but like, Harley Race isn't going to pull this guy out by his foot. Not at, not at his age and, and, his, and Davy Boy's size. <laughs> Harley handles up there just waiting. Yeah. Harley gets beaten down by Davy Boy while Vader grabs a chair and nails him from behind. Oh, and it's an old school chair, like the not a folding chair, but like the yeah the plastic uh, <laughs> plastic chairs with like the metal uh, like square leg thing. The ref calls for the bell, and Davy Boy is your winner by DQ. Post match, Vader looks to continue the attack when Marcus Bagwell and two cold Scorpio come down to the ring only to be beaten down as well. Oh, probably our two, like, outside of Sting, like, cleanest baby faces in the company right now, right? Is, and that are upstarts. Very possible. Other than Z Man. The break four my horsemen. Their faces at this point. True. <laughs> Where's pretty Paul Roma? Who knows? Vader picks up the bulldog for a powerbomb when Sting comes running down to the ring, flying off the top rope with a clothesline to take down Vader before some right hand sends the big man out of the ring. Stinger for the save. Sting's got to save, because we got we to gotta give him a real belt run at some point, damn it. Uh, plus, you know, he stuck him in the ring with the prisoner. So yeah, I need a Sting belt run before, good moment. before the crow comes out, god damn it. Because I'm a surfer Sting man myself. We then go to the stage again. Eric Bischoff is there with Magnum TA, and they recap that main event. Also, Magnum, no pony, plus turtleneck. Good luck. They then go to Tony and Larry, and they're joined by Vern Gagne. And Vern is shocked that WCW has such great wrestling talent. I mean, he could have been at a better show. I don't know if this was a show to say good wrestling talent. There's There's some moments, but we'll get into those here in a moment. Tony then says the goodbyes before the credits roll. And I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Slamboree 93? You miss the Vader glitter job where he gets glittered. He gets glittered? Yeah, they throw he throws him out onto the floor on the outside of the steel and then Vader's got glitter all over him because there was glitter on the floor from somebody's <laughs> entrance or whatever. And just seeing him covered in glitter was fun. But uh, not by no means... Not important. Kind of like a lot of the show. You know, a lot of the show. You know that not I. Important. You know that I love legends. You know I love the Clash of the Champions twenty. This is less less regal than that in feel. And then they did the crazy thing of having all three legends matches back to back. They should have peppered them in potentially, and they all probably should have been shorter. And maybe they should have been a. Clash show. I don't know. I don't know. Not sure. They're not horrendous, but like they're, with the exception of 
the uh, Dory Funk Bockwinkle match, like the other ones are just like that one. I feel like does mean something, and the other ones don't really feel like they mean as much. It's cool to pay respects to older guys, but it makes for a slow show. Yeah, you didn't need three legends matches on a show. You could have easily have just done one. Yeah, I could understand with the others. But yeah, I could understand can. a tag match and a big singles match. Like, yeah, but I would have been yeah, I would have been okay even with just two of them, but three of them, and then not having them all back to back was just way too much. Plus, you know the the clash reunion wasn't that long ago, really, so it was too soon to have another legends reunion tour. Yeah, with it only being maybe a year later, you know, in in actual time. Yeah, I mean, it was mostly a, a missable show with a couple shining moments. I mean, there are definitely a couple shining moments on the show. I really feel most of the show is not good. because, And a lot of it is, like you said, having the three Legends mats back-to-back-to-back, the crowd gets taken out of the show pretty quickly, Yeah, and it never recovers. So making even the stuff that comes after, like... Rude, wonderful Rhodes, Rhodes and Suzuki. in Suzuki awesome. should be a really good match. Mm-hmm. I liked it. But the crowd is so out of it. And then after that match, they go to the Hall of Fame thing. Yeah. Which doesn't help any because they're already bored. And then we try and fire it back up with The Prisoner. The Yeah. Sting <laughs> with Sting, which it should that gets the crowd going a little bit because it's, it's Sting. But it's still the prisoner that he's yep. facing and it's a pointless worthless the sting match. working yeah sting working from underneath like sting does as the big baby he is but like what is he working against yep a fucking, because a walking turd the crowd doesn't really get back into the show until steamboat comes off the top of the cage yeah and there's so, a lot more to get into before that because that completely. other match is good i i was really hot for the rick rude match because i didn't know it was coming and i watched this match in two sittings i stopped at the at the end of the third Legends match. So when I, like, a couple days later, fired it back up, and I didn't know we, I was about to get Rick Rude, and I heard Rick Rude, I popped, because Rude's back, baby. And then I was like, okay, well, it's a tag match, but with Paul Orndorff, who I'm also high on at the moment. And then uh, it's Dustin and Kinsaki. I was like, well, shit. Like, and then Kinsaki uh, had a really a really cool showing here, as and then, of course, all the other guys did too, because they're great. But it was cool that he wasn't, he does. He wasn't just playing the part of like Japanese guy. He like he did did some fun stuff. He like like no sold fucking Rick Rude fucked with him and also uh, mocked him. It was fun. It's cool. I think we're all in agreement though. This show is very missable. Yes. Yeah, I would say that all the good stuff here, all the good stuff here feels like doesn't feel pay per view worthy it feels like the middle of a feud type of thing or like you know what i mean they feel like mm-hmm. mid feud stuff that would be on a good episode of television or something yeah it's weird it's a weird show because like arn and barry i think is incredible and is like the kind of stuff i'm looking for all the time uh and i think it's basically about as good as it fucking gets but it also ends the way that it ends. Yeah. So it's just like, fuck, like, what is that? Uh, and then, yeah. like, the tag match, I think, would have been better if it... 
It would have been... They use the cage a lot, but yeah. I would have preferred to see these guys have a regular tag match without the cage because I know what a regular tag match with these guys looks like. Then you wouldn't have gotten the coolest moment of the entire night, though. It was a cool moment, for sure, but I think the Arn match is my favorite match. Yep. But... Uh, the To me, the... Davy Boy Invader was a good big match, for sure. But it also ended the way that it ended. There's, like, no real resolution to anything that happens on the show at all. That's why it feels so not quite pay-per-view worthy. Yeah. And then you have all that other stuff that's kind of sucking the momentum out of it. So, like, all these fuck finishes in between this middle-of-the-show legend stuff. It's like, what is there to chew on outside of the... You know performances, but there's not really any big takeaways outside of yeah. some of the high spots. But you don't get there's no payoff for anybody at all. Uh, to me, the except for Sid, Sid got his payoff. The name Slamboree sounds more fun than the show actually is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So best moments of the night. I'm just going to start off Steamboat off the top of the cage. Yeah. I said that just a minute ago. It's the best moment. Uh, Kinsake's moments with uh, Rick Rude, I really loved. I thought that they were great. Aside from being mentioned by Michael, uh, there was no Eric Watts on this show. <laughs> he, he who will not be named. Yeah. The, first, the first tag match is... Probably my favorite match on the show. Oh, it's very but good. That's just because Ben Wong, Scorpio, basically, like, literally pick up right where they left off yeah. the Super Brawl match. Yeah, and that's a good way to start it, too, because, like, okay, well, it is a tag match, so it doesn't really matter who wins, but you still get the interaction between those guys, and then you also have Bob Eaton, who's about as good of a hand as you can I mean, get. he's one of our favorites. Yeah, definitely. like, you know, who's a better hand than Bob Eaton? Arn Anderson? Like, yeah. I mean, that's debatable, depending on what's going on, but... There, and then uh, you got the young, young upstart Marcus Bagwell still like slowly chipping away into everyone's hearts. I do like the good stuff a lot on this show. It's just that I wanted there to be. I don't know if any of these matches end with like a satisfying ending. Not really. No. <laughs> like I think the Arn finish is cool. I just would you know of course I want Arn to have the belt, but that's not happening. I just don't like that ending. I'm just going to move on to most disappointing. I think it's a disappointing ending for the sheer fact that do we... Arn Anderson can take the loss without a fucked finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Unless he didn't... Arn Anderson is not a... That should have been Ric Flair, but Ric Flair still can't wrestle. Yeah, because, because of Ric contract. Flair would just won. So or they would have Arn Anderson it up to being in the match match. is just... They're basically making... Barry Windham go through the horsemen. Yeah, and I know that, and I like that story, and I loved watching Arn, uh, this that Arn match. I adored it, but it does feel just like, oh, placeholder. And Arn, like I said, Arn can take the loss. Arn is basically, singles Arn is very similar to one of my favorite wrestlers, Tomohiro Ishii. The man loses all the time, and it doesn't matter because nope. he's still my favorite wrestler, and like arguably... One of the most talented and solid guys working today, and has been forever. But he's never gonna quite, he's never gonna quite be that. And exactly. that's same with Arn. But if you are a wrestling fan, you notice it and you appreciate it and want to see more of that than most other things. 
the overall show for me was just most disappointing. Like it started out on a high note with that first match, and then you roll into a uh, ooh surprise. Sid is our mystery opponent, and then you get the three legends back to back, and then you get a couple of good matches with the the rude and the title match, the, the tag team, the tag match. title match, yeah. But, I mean, even as good as the Arn and Barry match was, you've got the fucked up finish at the end on that, and then you roll into the Davy Boy and Vader match that ends in a DQ. So it was just like, started off on a high note and then just immediately dropped down and tried to pick back up for a second and continued its downward I almost feel like they should have, like, you, start, you still start with the tag match they started with because that's the perfect opener. But you move... If you want to still do the three legends matches, you move you move one up. You then get the crowd back by doing the Sid thing. Yeah, because the crowd's gonna pop. Mm-hmm. It's quick and everything. You put the rude Orndorff tag match. Yeah. There, you then go to another one of the legends matches. Sting. Yeah, but make that shorter, please. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Make this prison I mean, match shorter. Oh, you know what? Find a better opponent for him. And yeah. Then throw in your Bachwinkle. Have him. Have I would him actually. Van I would Hammer actually go to the tag title match next. I because Nick Bachwinkle and Dory Funk, they're they are the best legends that are on this show. And that match, I liked the match. I, I thought the like. I was, I was, I was, I was worried that for... people were not going to like this match. I, I yeah. wasn't. Ovation, I wasn't sure what you guys were going to think. I wasn't sure what this crowd was going to think. And then the crowd gave it a standing ovation. I was like, good for this crowd. Yeah. I am so glad that they did that. Because I, was, I wasn't I was like, like, yes, this is what I want. But I still was like, this is a really good match between two guys that have laid a foundation for this for this business. Yeah, and basically. like, even if those guys in there at the top of their game... That's not what the wrestling that we're watching now is not what it does not look the same as no. what what those guys do. So you can't expect them to. Do but the I think you thing. move that match to after the tag match, after the steel cage match, and then you still have your final two matches, which are your back to back, which are your sure. heavyweight belts, which those should always be at the end of a show. I think we all agree on that. That oh yeah, your world championships <laughs> should always be the. I think it ended on like. I mean, I wish I, I I know why they did the Davy Boy Vader finish because they want to continue that feud. Yeah. And yeah, so, I mean obviously this match was really good. I don't mind seeing it again. Yeah. I think the only ending that as long as it bothered me the most a, is the Arn uh, Arn win because I'm just like I'm okay with Arn losing. Yeah. I don't need to I, mean, I, I feel I feel it helps Barry more if he gets a clean win. Yeah. I'm okay with Davy Boy losing because you know, yeah, you're going to lose to the world champion. That's fine. You know, it doesn't take anything away because you have a, just a powerhouse starting match against each other. You, know, you can win the next yeah. one or two. You know, I mean, they're probably thinking trilogy here. The dot of, but the thing is, is if, Vader, if Vader beats him clean, then it's kind of the end of the feud. Yeah. So they're starting a feud. So and like, who is better to go against Vader right now than the biggest dude you have? The most physically impressive guy. Sting. Well, yeah, Sting, but... I mean, we, we've seen it. Sting so. is all-start-stop. He's like a fucking... He's made a glass. Well, let's move on to best performer. He's the like, he's like Ricky Steamboat, except for Ricky Steamboat, he just gets bullied by his wife, whereas Sting gets bullied by injuries. <laughs> it's what it seems like. So, someone tell me that it's not Steamboat. 
what? best performer. Best performer. Steamboat's always the best performer on any show. For me, it is on. not. I don't know if it's my if it is, but you can. He's easily shortlist. You can put him tied for first with anybody else if you wanted. Who do you got, Shane? Mine. I'm gonna go totally different. My best performer is Honey Bunny Biscuit Company. <laughs> oh Jesus! He really doesn't like this show. <laughs> Come on. I mean, uh, no, I'm a, I mean that was arm, it was, was fucking delicious. So yeah, they. Uh, I agree. I agree. They yeah. they stole the show for me, or from me. What about you, Michael? Um, Arn. That was a. Like the like we said, the finish didn't have to happen like that. But I think outside of that, that match was like pitch perfect for me at the time that I was watching it. I was all in on every single thing that happened. I loved it, and it and I know fucking arm. We shouted it out a couple times, but we're gonna give. I'm gonna give the props again to the crowd for the standing ovation. Yeah. Oh yeah, that made me very happy because I was it, like, yeah, because I mean I know they did the moment of silence thing and. People did not get silent, and then they kind of got like half silent for a moment. But I was like, Ugh. "But you mean it's hard to ask?" Crowd, well, 7, that was a weird moment because they were just li- they literally had just been like, "And one we're gonna keep secret." Yeah. Let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like I said, this show for it being this night of legends thing, not nearly as regal feeling as Clash Twenty, which was a blast. Blast. Yeah. Picture perfect show. Go watch also Clash Twenty. Shorter. Don't watch this show. Yep. Watch maybe the. I don't know. There's a couple matches here. Just don't watch Phil Hasen. I don't know. This is a weird one. Thumbs in the middle. How about most surprising? Anything surprising that they had the three legends matches? Not only that they, they, had, they did them back to back. It was wild for me. For me, the most surprising. That Eric Watts wasn't on the show. No. The damn cage. And the fact that. Hate to harp. I understand why it happened, but the fact that Z-Man took the place of Shane Douglas and then was never seen again, so he never had his own proper send-off. He, I mean, I'm sure Z-Man probably had an own TV, sh- some more matches on TV, but he's just never seen on pay-per-view. Ever well, again. that's still disappointing because well, he, he should have had a send-off. That's well, surprising too. So. Yeah, then it's not surprising because it's WCW. So. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, then I'll just have it be the most surprising that I had no idea that that was E-Man until you told me today. So I yeah, learned I something new either. 28 years later. And I'm a, a Z-Man fan. Oh, I held it back from you guys. So but you... I'm also, I also don't know a lot about, I haven't caught, watched a lot of Shane Douglas. I've, so I don't really have a, it's not, he also, I don't have a a thing to really There, there was a onto. couple moments in the match when Dos Ombre 2 does like this weird like dance move. And at that point, I was like, yeah, that's not Shane Douglas. Yeah. I was like... I don't I'm, remember Tom I mean, Zink ever doing any weird dance moves. But, but Shane Douglas definitely, definitely never, yeah. never did it. And so I was just like... I mean, I already knew, but... Yeah. The tells. Like, it's kind of like... We watch, like, Black Scorpion stuff, and you're like... At least Ric Flair was trying not to act... Trying yeah. not to be Ric Flair, but it's still hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was trying hard, his hardest not to, but it was still... It was less obvious, is a nice way to put it. But, like, there's no question which one of those guys was Steamboat. No. <laughs> like, he's, nobody moves like Steamboat, man. And nobody should ever attempt to, because you just be called out for trying to do Steamboat. Making their way to the ring! It's trivia time! Oh, shit. This week, the category is... What's in a name? It's just 
Song, don't worry about it. I'm like, what's in a name? Green Day song. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, that I don't know that song either. Uh, it's I don't know if that's the name of the song, but it's <laughs> on. I was a huge Green Day fan as a kid. So this week, and so you have to buzz in. Um, you can buzz in with the correct answer. You get five points. Or if you guys agree to go to multiple choice, you would get three points. Okay. I will give you the real name of a wrestler, and you will give me their wrestler name. Okay. The name this week is Aurelian Smith Jr. Aurelian Smith Jr. Is that correct? Aurelian Smith Jr. Hmm. Oh, Michael's going for the five points. Is that Davy Boy? It is not Davy oh, Boy. Oh, it's Davy. Hmm. Aurelian. I, mean, I imagine his name is David, Smith but like Jr. Aurelian, it was a crazy name. Hmm. A name I've never heard in my life. Does Shane want to take a chance of the five, or is he going to take the multiple choice? He should the take the multiple choice. go for the multiple choice. Yeah, of course you should. I, answer I already fucked so up. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, do, you, you, do, you earned it. So your four choices are... I heard Smith. Prominent last name. Bad News Brown. Okay. Big John Studd. Okay. Jake Roberts. Okay. Or Virgil. Hmm. Aurelian Big. Smith Jr. Aurelian Smith Jr. Bad News Brown. Jake the Snake. Where's Bad News Brown? Virgil. And who was the other one? Big John Studd. Big John Studd. Aurelian Smith Jr. Hmm. I'm torn between two. One of them stands out because I dislike them the most. <laughs> I know what you mean, I think, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Just let it go. You can, I can't challenge, so follow your heart. Fuck it, we'll go for Virgil. That is incorrect. Oh. Michael, you want to take a guess? No, no points. But you want to take a guess? BNB. It is not BNB either. Ooh, is it John, it John is Jake Roberts. Oh, really? God, what a terrible name. See, I was trying to think back to. He's from like, Texas. How's his name Aurelian? All that stuff. What, if they'd ever text What like said weird his name. old like what weird family history does he have? Is that his like his dad's a, name is Aurelian Smith? Who? Goes by Grizzly Smith. But where does the name Aurelian come from? Aurelian? No clue. Like, what is the origin of that? Is it made up? Georgia? Where it sounds like a sound you would make while you were, like, vomiting spam. <laughs> Sorry, that's do, gross. Do, do you want me to look up the history no, of Aurelian? No, no, that's not what the show is for. Wild name is all I got. I agree. It is a wild name. Yeah, that was the one I wasn't even leaning towards at no, all. No, not at all. That was my last guess. I actually thought that was going to be a pretty easy one. I figured one of you knew that. I one. feel like one of us should know. Well, see, I was trying to Jake. think back to you know the behind the mat or whatever, beyond the mat, and I couldn't remember if they'd actually said his name in any of those. Well, um, who knows? He's had no a lot one of ever stuff. called. No one ever called him that. <laughs> Well, they probably get hit if they so did. It's probably like some. It was probably especially because his dad was a whole a huge piece of shit. Yeah. Like so, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's probably got some uh, uh, boy named Sue shit <laughs> attached to it. Next week, hardcore TV from June first, nineteen ninety three. Hardcore ECW Eastern Championship Wrestling. But yeah, you can go out there to the network and find look under Hardcore TV, find the June 1st episode in 1993, watch along with us. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, party. 
45, 45 minutes. We did it. We don't, they don't all, they're not all 45 minutes, They're not guys. all 45 minutes. You gotta savor them shits. Music from this week's show is High Steppin' by John Hobbs. And Davey Boy won. And his music in WCW is Hellraisers by David B. Fields. Hell? That's what his song is? That's that is what his song is. And it sounds like the... Whatever. On the network, they've probably have, oh, uh, yeah. put ah, okay. his Rue Britannia like, song. Like, yeah, in. he doesn't really have a, much of a Cenobite gimmick, but yeah. okay, <laughs> but Hellraisers, sure. <laughs> I didn't think about that. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. You can always hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, concerns... Recipes. We're always looking for those recipes. Yes, we're going to Pennsylvania recipes or beverage ideas. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Wrestling HistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. And one last thing, we'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Oh, this is our Christmas Merry episode? Merry Christmas. I forgot to wear my Santa hat. Christmas comes in a yeah. couple days for everyone. So. I'd like to all send right. a personal shout out to all of the people of Georgia for making my Christmas that much more special by being blue instead of red. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, quick, quick round. Favorite Christmas song, Shane? That's While a tough here? one. I, I got to go with Gun to My Head. It's, 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 it's Wham! Last Christmas. Oh, I mean, good choice. Definitely up there for me. Matt? This is Christmas wrapping by the... The waitresses. Waitresses. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely my favorite Christmas song. There's a lot out there, but there's something something extra sweet about that one for me. Actually, Candy Cane Lane by Sia. That one became a a favorite last year that I had on constant repeat. All right. Interesting. interesting. Um, Minor ones that uh, no one has ever probably heard of because they're uh, Christian bands. Uh, it's a, a song called Evergreen by Switchfoot. Oh, I like that none of us picked any traditional ones. Like Mariah Carey? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's great. But uh, in close to Mariah Carey, there's a uh, a close one probably, I'm not really into Christmas music, but like in probably the top five, song that I don't think anybody's ever heard called Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande. Real earworm. It's a great Love song. that song. It's a great song. I don't know why, but it's a real earworm. David Archuleta also has another good one. So, yeah. so what we're saying is from and it's a great History Christmas X. album by the Devolve. Everyone should go and listen to um, this. Maybe one. we should just do a Christmas <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, make a playlist, guys. We gave, we got you started. Merry Christmas. You know, hopefully your family is nice, yes, and easy to hand and hang out with. And we'll see you next year. <laughs> no. Oh no. Um, we still have New Year. We'll, we'll see you next New Year's Eve. That's right. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Later.